Good morning. How are you guys? Good. I am Amy Akaturo. I am the family pastor here at Living Word. Um, I was sweating it a little bit because the last service, the computer went from here all the way to the ground. So I'm like, come on, come on, turn on. It turned on, guys. We're going to be great. It's going to be great. So um, I am super excited, you guys, this morning. I get to introduce our next series. We are calling it Family Values. Family Values. So this is going to be so great. I'm not sure what the word family brings up for you. Um, But one thing is for sure. We are all impacted by family. Every one of us has been impacted by family. And family looks a lot of different ways. Amen? Family looks a lot of different ways. So whether you are in the season of raising kids or not, I'm about to make a big statement. Are you ready? Are you guys buckled up? Okay, God designed each of us to be a part of a family. And the family, like the church, exists to display the heart of God to every generation. That's a big statement. It's a big statement because being a part of a family can be one of the hardest things to do. Being a part of a faith community can be one of the hardest things to do. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but the family can have broken people. You guys notice that? And I don't know if you have noticed, but the church can have broken people. And yet, united. God designed us. United. They are the two most powerful influences on the planet to display the heart of God to every generation. Why? Because we find in family and church that God can show a broken world his power to restore and redeem through what we are calling family values. Are you guys ready for this? Okay, so last week we celebrated Easter, Resurrection Sunday. We saw Jesus challenge an entire generation to return to a version of faith and community that humanity was designed to experience. They weren't living that out, and he challenged them to a different version. He disrupted a hurting and skeptical world with hope. This is what the family and church can do together. We can challenge an entire generation to return to a version of faith and community that we are designed to experience. Amen? So for the next few weeks, we are going to get into it. We're going to look at some family values that create a framework to guide us as we answer the call to pass on our faith to the next generation. We're going to be challenged to take some steps, maybe change our minds about some things, override our fear, and embrace hope with both arms, like all the way, completely embrace it. So will you guys pray with me? As we get started, God, we acknowledge your presence here with us this morning. Thank you for who you are. 
Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. We also acknowledge that you can open our hearts and our minds to hear from you. And we would ask, would you do that for us right now in these moments? Would you speak to us individually? Would you speak to us? And would you help us hear what it is you are saying? We pray these things in your name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Okay, since we're talking about families, I thought I would introduce mine. So here's how I see my family. Here's how I see them in my heart. This is my heart picture. Are they up there? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so that's John. The, you guys all identify him, right, John? There's uh, Nicholas over there on the side. He's my oldest. There's Lauren. There's Alyssa. And then there's Garrett, the little cutie down there, and Benjamin. That's my baby, baby Benjamin. Also, fun fact, see the little blondie in the front, Garrett? We called him the blonde bomber when he was that age because you never know when he was going to attack. We were always on the lookout, so that is him. But actually, here is what you guys probably see. Like, they grew up before your very eyes. Isn't that amazing? It was um, Garrett's 18th birthday yesterday, and we were having lunch with him. And, and guys, seriously, I could still see that little blonde face in front of me while he's talking to me at, at pizza, and I'm like, the blonde bomber. <laughs> but that is actually how he looks. He doesn't look like that anymore. Uh, Ryan took that picture for us, and I think they kind of look like superheroes, don't they? The five Ecoturos. <laughs> Changing the world, one person at a time. Anyway, um, so in this, I'm experiencing a lot currently of what we would call transition on the family front this year. So my youngest, Benjamin, you know the little baby? He's going into high school. Garrett is actually graduating from high school. And the girls, both of them, are getting married this year. I mean, yeah. Thank you for clapping. <laughs> I'm going to need that. I'll come find you later. Um, I would be lying if I said I was OK with all of this. If you know, you know. You guys know? But one thing I have discovered is that sooner or later, we all get slapped in the face with this concept of time. Here's a video for us to watch.
You're welcome. <laughs> it's just a phase, so don't miss it. The first family value we are going to talk about this morning is time. Time was created by God, so it obviously has a purpose. It's no accident that the earth spins on its equator at approximately 1,000 miles per hour as it moves through space at a speed of 67,000 miles per hour. It's no accident that the sun rises and sets with mathematical accuracy. The seasons change. The entire universe has a predictable rhythm. And maybe God established time as a platform so he could communicate something so complex that it needed to be presented strategically over time. He gave Abraham a son over time. He let Joseph sit in jail. He sent Moses to deliver a nation. He let a nation wander in the desert for decades. Have you ever thought about why? It was as if God decided, I can help you understand something with time that you could never really understand in a moment. There are aspects of God's nature, secrets of life, codes to the universe that are so intricate that they simply take time to decipher. If a heavenly father uses time to clarify and solidify certain values in our heart over time, then over time, maybe the best way to cultivate what matters in the hearts of our own kids as well. Time. Okay, I have a visual for you. You guys can try this at home. Normally I do things you shouldn't try at home. But this one, this one's pretty safe to try at home. Okay, so I have this jar. Can you guys guess how many are in here? Higher than 783? Okay, you guys are so close. 936. Nice work. Okay, so this, this um, can be marbles, but I chose gumballs because they're way cheaper and they're pretty cute. Um, 936 represents each week in your child's life from the time that they are born to the time they graduate. 936 weeks, okay? This is what you got. So you can go home and you can calculate this. And you can figure out how much time you have and then you can get out a jar and you can get gumballs or Skittles or whatever you have at home and create your own. So this one is Benjamin. <laughs> Just about, like freshman in high school, 208 weeks left. This one, Garrett, can you see that one? <laughs> seven weeks, seven weeks left before graduation. So there the practice of losing marbles has a strange effect on most people. <laughs> it illustrates the collective value of time. It kind of makes it tangible. We can see it. We can hold it. It helps us see what I would say is time over a period of time. So when I see this, and after I get over my cry session, 
because I can't believe it's all that. Um, helps me to readjust my priorities. It helps me to finish strong. It makes, it makes each week matter a little bit more. Because when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get pretty serious about the time you have now. Now, this is not just for kids. We all can take a moment and think about the time we have right now. It is a gift. Every day, every hour is a gift. This isn't a really an original idea. Um, actually, Moses suggested something similar in one of the Psalms when he said, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. When I number my days or weeks, it helps me to be more wise about how I use those days and weeks. Okay, so automatically some of you are thinking, all right, I got to get in there and make every second count. I have to turn every minute into a teaching opportunity. I'm already behind. I need to get a journal and keep a daily record. I need a sticker chart. Who's got a sticker chart? Don't do that. Unless you want to make yourself crazy. <laughs> and maybe the people around you might be a little crazy. Here's a better idea. What if we just decide to take one week at a time? What if we could somehow learn to pace ourselves better as a parent, as a friend, as a leader. The power of this illustration is that it reminds us of two things that are both true at the same time. One, every week matters. Two, you don't have to get it all done in a week. All weeks are not created equal, amen? For instance, John shared about his week. Also me, I woke up on Tuesday morning with swollen lips. What in the world? That has never happened to me before. Yes, for sure. And, and continued to swell and go down and swell and go down all week long. All weeks are not created equal. Some weeks will work better than others. But don't panic because Rome wasn't built in a day or even a week. That's why I think losing your marbles can actually keep you from losing your marbles. It's not just time that matters, it's time over time. Because time over time is what enables us to make history together. Do you guys have your Bibles? Do you want to go ahead and turn to Deuteronomy? Six. We're going to start in verse 4. Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. In Deuteronomy 6, we find Moses in the middle of a speech to the Israelites. He's trying to prepare them as they are about to transition into the promised land. And they're going without him. He's not going with them. So he's trying to prepare this people that he has been leading to move into this space that they have never been before, into an experience that they've never experienced before. Remember, this is a collective group that came from slavery into the desert, into the wilderness. And now they were going into the land of milk and honey. They were going into a place where they would experience things that they had never experienced before. 
Talk about time. He spent a lot of time leading these people. And God gave them 40 years to wander in the desert to cultivate trust and faithfulness in his relationship with them. Moses stands before the nation and instructs them to hear what God has for them. But more than that, to remember. Moses might be thinking, will this stiff-necked people still remember God? As they move into this new way of life, Will eternal truths be diluted as they come face to face in with these other cultures and people groups? Will the things they know to be true be diluted? Will they let go of them? Will they forget them? Will the faith of a generation die? That is what is at stake. Sounds like Moses is in the head of every parent with a teenager. <laughs> You watch them go and you're like, okay. Are those eternal truths going to be diluted? What's going to happen to their faith? Listen, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Basically, he is saying, don't Forget, because as humans, we have a tendency to forget. Don't forget the Lord is our God, and it's the Lord alone. Generations were represented in this crowd. They had experienced God's faithfulness and goodness together in a miraculous way. God had been visible and tangible while they were in the wilderness. In order to transfer faith to the next generation, parents would need to tell their children of God's greatness every day. And not just parents. He was talking to generations. So the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, as they were walking, as they were going to bed, as they were going about their daily things, they were all telling the children, remember who God is? Remember what he did for us? Remember that story? They were all sharing about what God did because that is what it was going to take. But not just through words, or rules, here's the commandments, but through the context of loving relationship. And that's our next family value, love. Time and love. The most important way you fight for the, the heart of those you love is to build a relationship that is trustworthy. It's not nearly as important if you think you can trust your kids as it is that you can be trusted. If I don't love God with all my heart, 
my soul, and my strength, I am in serious danger of just following a system of religion and building memorials to a dead faith. I can follow the commands, I can set up a system, I can create a structure, but if it's not from a place of love, it doesn't have life. If I don't remember who God is, I'm not as willing to forgive the offenses of others. When I don't remember who God is, I allow doubt to take the place of trust. And I forget about the effect that has on the generation following me. Because 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter is if I loved Jesus wholeheartedly. I just finished a master's program, and as part of that, I had a big project at the end, a research project, and I interviewed 12 families. And one of my questions on there, I was talking about faith development in families. One of my questions on there was, how significant is faith development to you? And every family said, it is the most significant thing. The most significant thing I could give my kids is faith in God. The most. A hundred years from now, the only thing that will matter is if I love Jesus wholeheartedly. When I look at those kids in that picture, my own kids, the only thing that is going to matter to me is if they love Jesus with their whole heart. The entire story of Scripture is about God pursuing a relationship with us over time, regardless of our behavior and mess. <laughs> he kept showing up. Finally, he sent his son to walk with us, to be physically present so we could touch and know him. And we prove love in the same way. We simply decide to be physically and consistently present week after week. We show up. Jesus was asked by some religious leaders, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied in Mark 12, 29, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Because love over time does something amazing. Love over time is the best way to give our kids worth. How do we know that? We know that because we have been loved over time. Before we were born, we were loved. Growing up in our families, whatever that looked like, we were loved. Going through the wilderness, we were loved. Navigating church and life and friendships and work, we were loved. When our heart was broken, we were loved. We have been loved over time and it has given us great worth. God has loved each 
one of us, whether we knew it or not. God has loved each one of us with an everlasting love. We are his delight. We're his kids. So when you love him back wholeheartedly, it matters. When you surrender your fear and your pride and your pain to the one who is love, it changes everything. And that is how you love your neighbor as yourself. That's how you love your family when they're really hard to love. (laughs) That's how you love your faith community when they're a little weird sometimes. We need to get serious about loving and showing up. So how do we challenge an entire generation to return to a version of faith and community that we are designed to experience? How do we do that? The family and the church, we need to do it together with time and love. Worship team, will you guys make your way up? So you might be thinking, that is a pretty broad stroke you used, Pastor Amy. I know I saw you guys thinking that. Um, And you'd be right. That is a pretty broad stroke. Passing on our faith to the next generation. Being an agent of change and healing in our families. Joining with our brothers and sisters. I mean, look around. These are your brothers and sisters. In this faith community, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world desperate for hope, it would be impossible under normal circumstances. It is impossible under normal circumstances. I mean, look around. Our world has never felt so unstable. The anxiety and fear is at an all-time high. We've experienced a lot of trauma. And we're still working through it. But in the words of Moses, listen, O Israel. Listen. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. We weren't set free to live under normal circumstances. What Jesus did when he died and conquered sin and death to set us free was not for us to live under normal circumstances. We were set free to walk in the power of his name. In the name of Jesus, the captive is set free. In the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. In the name of Jesus, our families will be restored. It's in the name of Jesus that his church will prevail. It is in this name, the name of Jesus, that the next generation will rise up and be the light to this world. Amen? It is only in his name. You're right. Under normal circumstances, this is impossible. 
except for we don't have normal circumstances. We have been set free. We have been given a power through the power of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit to make a difference, to bring healing in places that are broken, to love in a way that doesn't make sense, to show up in people's lives when we're not really sure we can. Really, God? Yes. But you guys, we're not going to be able to do this alone. Drive by the middle school. Drive by the high school. See those kids walking into their schools. They desperately need families and church to join together to show them the love of Jesus. Parents are not going to do this on their own. Church, you are needed wherever you're at. Maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you're a young adult. Maybe you're a teenager. We need all of us to join together. That is our call. That is our charge. If we don't pass on our faith to the next generation, how will they know? How will they know? God has given us a superpower. It's called love. It's called relationship. It's called showing up again and again and again, time over time. That is a greater power than all the other influences in their life. We got to show up, amen? And we got to do this together. Will you guys pray with me? God, I know that nothing is impossible with you. And I also know as a human, I am limited. And so you sent your spirit to bridge that gap. And as I surrender to you and choose to follow you with all that I am, when I love you wholeheartedly, your spirit gives me the power to do what it is that you have enabled me to do, to love, to show up, to step into broken places with your healing, to be the light in places that are really dark, Father, I just pray for the person in this room who is feeling exhausted and empty. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. Would you remind them that they have been loved their whole life, that they are of great worth because of you, because you have loved them before they were even born. Help them to remember. God, I pray for the person in this room that feels your stirring and knows they need to step out. Father, fill them with courage. Fill them with courage to take that next step. Lord, I pray for the person in this room whose heart is broken because of the close relationships in their life. There's pain. Father, will you bring healing to those places? 
Will you surround them with love? Will you comfort them in a way that only you can? Lord, I pray for the person in this room that is feeling weight or regret over time that has passed by. Lord, remind them that you restore, you redeem. It's never too late to recover because of who you are. It's not too late. It's not too late. And so I pray for that person that they would choose today to turn around and go the other way. That they would have the courage to believe it's not too late. And Lord, will you bind us together? Will you unite our hearts? Because God, you know as a mom, I need my church family. I need them to love my kids. I need them to encourage me when I feel tired and when I'm not sure I have enough. I need them. Father, will you unite us? Help us to show up for each other because a generation depends upon it. We pray these things in your name. Amen.